By now, you've probably seen ads about the water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere. People who got sick after drinking that toxic water are now able to seek repayment for their medical costs because of a new law, the PACT Act. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it's important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is a limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and they won't take no for an answer. Sign up at SickMarine.com. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now, obviously, big game coming up this week, but first, man, I got to ask you, you guys were down, Scott's with us tonight as well, so shout out to Scott behind the scenes running the ones and twos on this thing, but you guys were at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet last week. I was not able to attend that. How was it, man? Like It was a blast last year. I imagine it was a blast this year as well. It was a lot of fun. Just a little bit of advice if you're flying down for there, don't lose your ID on the way down like I did. Um, So, like, my whole weekend was a little bit, you know, some worry in there about getting back home but uh everything's all good i made it back home but it was fun the game was a blast meeting everybody was a blast seeing some people that were there last year again was a blast like it was just a it was a good time got to meet scott in person carl in person and uh there was a lot of people wondering where you were at and i just kept telling them that you hate us all and so you decided to go hunting instead hey that's not we're going hunting instead so uh that's not fair that's it but <laughs> but it, it was it was a lot of fun can't wait to do it again next year yeah, next year I'm definitely going to be there. I've already started to figure out logistics and stuff like that. I'm going to try to figure out a, a place to stay down there. Well, I guess Chad, never mind, whatever. I'm going to find a ticket if nothing else. We're like that's the one thing I have to definitely figure out is finding a ticket for next year. Um, so, but saving money up and everything like that, being able to get down there and and everything is going to be uh, going to be really fun. We got somebody jumping in here really fast saying buy Eric season tickets. Hello, Eric and Lance. What's up, man? Uh, thanks for joining us. That's the best, best screen name I think I've seen in a while, <laughs> but, uh, no, unfortunately wasn't able to be able to be there this year. Um, couldn't really even afford to get down there. Um, I sold my truck a couple of weekends ago, so I don't necessarily have the most reliable vehicle, but, uh, that's not necessarily the, the big thing. The big thing was going hunting here in a couple of weekends. So, uh, not next weekend, but the weekend after I will not be here potentially the weekend after that I will be. So it will be 
we'll we'll figure it out. It's not going to be too big of a deal. But anyways, guys, with that, we got a big game to break down here. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders going Denver Broncos going to Las Vegas to go to Allegiant Stadium where they are 0-2 currently. They've only played two games there, lost both of them. Um, the one in really embarrassing fashion with Drew Lockett quarterback a couple years ago. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to really kind of dive into this, break it down. We're also going to give you a little bit of a breakdown on our stuff that we know from the Indianapolis Colts, because we will not be speaking to you guys until after the Colts game, where we'll do a really good uh, like gut reaction breakdown kind of thing um, next Friday and whatnot. But before we get started, guys, make sure you guys are all doing the, the typical things. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle and for Scott, obviously at Scout Kennedy. Also, guys, the mother account at Mile High Huddle, where you guys will find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos um, film breakdowns. You're going to have opinion articles, um, a lot of just great game analysis and stuff like that. You'll find it all at Mile High Huddle and also at milehighhuddle.com. Now, Eric, this Raiders team is one that really kind of scares me a little bit. Um, you and I talked a little bit behind the scenes or some stuff that is going on in um, in Raider Nation that's not necessarily very great, but still. You're talking about an 0-3 team, AFC West rival, playing in their home stadium, trying to get off the schneid and potentially save whatever little bit of their playoff hopes that they potentially do have. What are your just initial thoughts on this game? We'll do a better breakdown and, and get through all the rest of this as we go on tonight. The, the Raiders are bad. They um, Their defense is bad. They have a bad offensive line that's struggling in both the run game and in pass protection. Their interior defensive line, like they don't have anybody to really get after the quarterback on the inside. Jonathan Hankins is a pretty solid run defender, but that's about it. Of course, you do have to worry about the two edge rushers. Um, those are two guys that are definitely a threat, especially Max Crosby. Chandler Jones hasn't been that great so far this season, but that's it. Like their pass rush relies on Max Crosby getting home. So if you can slow him down, then you should be you should be fine. He'll get his. Like there's no doubt about that. He'll get his. He'll get his pressures. He'll probably get a sack or two. It's gonna happen, but you just gotta limit the overall impact that he has. And their secondary, even with Nate Hobbs playing, even with possibly Rocky Sen playing. That secondary when healthy isn't that great. They're struggling. Nate Hobbs is the is a solid corner. I wouldn't really call him great. Um, their safeties are struggling. Um, the the combination of all the safeties that they're using, their linebackers are struggling. It's just not a a good team overall. Yes, they have weapons on offense. Hunter Renfro being hurt is not that great, but Darren Waller is still a threat. Devontae Adams is still a threat. Molly Collins has kind of come out of nowhere. Maybe he can keep that up. And then Derek Carr always seems to play decently against the the Broncos, if not playing well. Um, so it, they have some talent, but overall they are a team void of it. They really are. The the thing that scares me, and I, I see a keep it real Denver jumping in here saying um, that the the Raiders scare me with a laughing face and stuff like that. I, don't get me wrong, I'm, and I'm not going to take a shot here. I'm going to keep it real with you. It's, this is a team that is 0-3, and they are, like I said, they're trying to get back into the into the groove of things. They haven't necessarily been playing the best defense, obviously, but that offense is very scary, even without Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller is a matchup nightmare at the tight end position. Devontae Adams, despite the issues that he's been having uh, with double coverage and stuff like that, um, they also have Matt Collins, who had a really good game. we got to see if he's going to be able to do it on a more consistent basis. But for the most part, like this team, there's a lot of reasons why I, I – nervous about this game coming up and another thing that ties into that is the broncos inefficiencies on offense 
yeah, they're moving the ball, but they're not putting it in the end zone. They still just don't quite seem to be connecting and clicking on the same page. So there's a lot of issues to me that, and with the way that the, the coaching staff for the Broncos is really kind of performed, not getting guys in the right spots, delay games, timeout usage, stuff like that. I'm just leery a little bit. And that's the biggest thing to me. This is going to be like the biggest game the Raiders play all season. If, if they lose, they're done. They're out. If they win, they still keep their hopes alive. Yeah, I mean, I get it. They being 0-3, the whole Josh McDaniels revenge game, all that being at home, they're gonna be wanting to turn around. Like, I get why it's a, why they're they're scary and they could potentially be that team, especially after what we saw against Seattle, what we've seen all three weeks so far. They can be a team that can have success, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I think this is a game where we get the offense kind of turning it around a little bit. We see them kind of maybe not be like this great offense that we're still that many of us are still expecting, but I do expect them to be better than what we saw last week, what we saw against the Texans and what we've seen overall this season, uh, just because of the issues the Raiders have, the Broncos can perfectly exploit that. They just got to basically, it's just, they got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Russell Wilson's got to play with a little bit better mechanics, trust his arm a little bit because there was one play against the Fort Niners where he had Montreal Washington deep, pretty much wide open for a shot and he just sees him and just holds it. Um, got it. You got to take those shots. He can't sit there and hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Like he did against the 49ers either. So there's plenty of issues that the Raiders can capitalize on to walk out with the win in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta, I, I can't even hold the bit up quite honestly. I, after hearing the stuff that we were talking about, and I, there's some stuff in there that I can't necessarily say it's stuff that we kind of talk back and forth about. This team is just not in a great spot. And the, the things that they do well, specifically offensively, and it, like the one thing that we've kind of had an issue with, Eric, you and I talking back and forth with this Broncos defense is the fact that they're playing off coverage. They're not pressing at the line of scrimmage. That might actually be a recipe for disaster against the Raiders. With Derek Carr and the quick passing game that he likes to utilize, getting the ball out quick and just keeping the offense into a rhythm, and then utilizing uh, when players start to bite up, you get the deep over with, with Darren Waller to take that shot. It works and it's effective for for what Derek Carr likes to do, but with Hunter Renfro out, that's a big big piece of this equation that you really have to now think about for this for this Broncos defense. They have to play press. I, I do fully believe that with Pastor Tan with Ronald Darby, they have to play press against this Raiders team, knock off the timing, and allow this defensive line, this pass rush that the Broncos have, which is clicking on all cylinders right now, to go after and tee off on Derek Carr because much like any other quarterback, but almost worse because Derek Carr does not like to get hit at all. He, When you hit him, when you rattle him, he goes into a shell of himself and he will make a lot of major decisions that are bad decisions. And he'll turn the football over and he won't make the plays that you typically see from a, a Derek Carr-led offense. They're not running the ball very efficiently right now. They're not playing great against the run on, uh, on defensively right now. So there's a lot of different things that this Broncos team can also do to use this as that get right game. Like that's to me is the, is the big thing. I want to see it first, like go over to milehighhuddle.com, guys. I'm going to plug the piece already. We have our predictions piece up my prediction for the Broncos. I'm going to spoil it right now. 17, 13, the Broncos are going to win this football game. It's going to be ugly, but I do want to see it. it like they can get right against this Raiders team. I got to see it first before I'm actually going to believe it. And that's why I'm so kind of leery about how this game is going to go. Yeah, I mean, I have it a little bit bigger than that. I don't have it being very close simply because I think the issues the Raiders have on defense 
is exploitable by the Broncos offense, even if they're not fully clicking like they haven't been. I also think that the defense is not necessarily going to have their way with the Raiders offense, but they're going to have their fair share of wins, especially with the pass rushers. Both of those tackles there in um, in with the Raiders are struggling quite a bit. And um, Colton Miller, I mean, he's like, I think he's leading all offensive tackles and pressures allowed. And a his pass rush win rate is the lowest among tackles or right near the bottom. He's just really struggling a lot. And then the way Evero is using his pass rushers, lining up Draymond Jones as an edge and Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory next to each other. There's a lot of great creative packages to get after the quarterback that I think we will see continue. And that's just going to force a couple turnovers, maybe, um, or most likely a couple turnovers and really hurt the Raiders offense. They'll sum the ball a little bit. So put some points on the board. I just don't expect very much before the Broncos kind of, you know, um, tighten the bolts on that offense. This is the perfect game to do it, though, right? Like, am I wrong in thinking that you've got a bad secondary, you've got bad linebackers, you got a bad defensive line outside of two players in Chandler Jones and uh, Max Crosby? Like, th- there's a lot of opportunities here for the Broncos to really try to tighten the nuts up and and figure out a way to get this offense finally clicking on the cylinders that we that we want to see. The, the the big things to me are execution in the running game the broncos are running the ball decently they but they've got to figure out up front with their with their blocking in this zone scheme and and figure out that communication figure out their landmarks get to those landmarks and actually execute their blocks speaking directly to lloyd cushionberry right now um and also dalton reisner by the way but but that's that's a big issue here another big issue that i keep seeing with this broncos offense is where's russell wilson and his the threat of his legs i now granted he's 33 years old he's not the athlete that he was five years ago but at the same time, there's opportunities for him to utilize the, his mobility more, and he's just not doing it. He passed it off until that last drive against uh, the 49ers where they went down and, and scored a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Like, there's opportunities for him to use those legs and create those plays, the, the shot plays that we saw with him in Seattle all the time, and we're just not seeing that right now. That, to me, is a, another big key here. Getting outside of the pocket, getting away from Max Crosby, getting away from Chandler Jones. There's going to be some escape valleys up the gut of this of this interior defensive line for the Raiders. Those are opportunities that Russell Wilson needs to start capitalizing on. Yeah, I think the issue is that they they don't really want him to be moving around as much, and that quite frankly he just can't do it like he used to. I mean, it, it, the value that his legs have brought to the offense has diminished. Not saying that. Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. He can't make some plays now and then. We saw him make some against the 49ers. We've seen some. Uh, we saw a couple, uh, like one or two against the Seahawks. We've seen some. It's just not the magic in his legs that were there that made him so uh, such a great quarterback for so many years in Seattle. It's taken a hit. He's gotten older. It happens. And you can still going to um you can still work around that and you can still help buy him time. You can still move the pocket a little bit. You can still use the legs, even though that they're not quite what they used to be. And that is something that Denver does need to do. They just got to keep from him, keep him from rolling out left because that, yeah, that's a no go. It is a no go. Um, it, it, it's a great point. I want to kind of expand on that here in just a second. We got a super chat I want to grab, but first, got to say hello to everybody in the chat. We've got uh, Chang, Dr. Van Nostrand, Rodney Garcia, Ernie Mays in the house. We're, we're going to talk down the Raiders, Ernie. Just calm down, buddy. We're, we'll get there. And thank you, Ernie, for joining us, man. Um, Diamond Rattler in the house, Albert Knopper, throwing his prediction, saying his prediction is 27 10 for the Broncos. I like it quadruple F the Raiders. That's how I personally feel about this game. But at the same time, I've got my reservations right now. And we'll we'll maybe see how this uh, plays out a little bit. Um, Savage Boy Kev over there on Twitch. Got to shout out our Twitch. She was just saying the Raiders, Raiders were horrible in the second half of the last three games. And I'm going to expand on the specifically the um, – the uh, the Arizona Cardinals game they were up twenty on the Cardinals and let those guys come back in in the third and fourth quarter well, and take the that lead was on that game, so. that was the only game where they were really awful in the second half and the other in the other two games is the second half is when they started to come back mm -hmm. and made it a close game right and thank you everybody for joining us and make sure you guys get your comments on drop us a super chat drop us a, a facebook's and whatnot a facebook stars donation everything like that we appreciate all of your guys' support and get into the show like this with uh, anthony edwards ten dollar super thank you anthony for joining us uh what's up guys thanks for the show was wondering how you think kwan williams has been playing haven't heard much from him and typically meaning he is doing well but what are your thoughts eric i'm gonna let you take this one away He's been fine. Um, he's been a solid slot corner for the Broncos. Like not super, not many complaints. He's allowed a couple catches there, here and there. He's done well as a run defender out of the slot. He's done well. I wouldn't say he's been great. Wouldn't, but he hasn't been terrible either. He's been, he's been fine. He's been pretty solid. I really have liked the physicality that he brings in the running game. He's got a couple of really good open field tackles out and in this in the swing pass screen game and stuff like that. When that guy closes on the football, he brings the hammer, dude. Like that guy likes to hit, and you can see it. He brings it all the time. In coverage, I haven't really focused on him much because I keep getting caught up watching Pat Sertan because what Pat Sertan is doing is just phenomenal out there, guys. Like he had that first game that I don't know if it was jitters or the fact that they were playing so far off against DK Metcalf, you know, and allowed what six six catches on six targets for 34 yards or whatever. Since then, he has allowed I think three catches total for 10 yards in two games. Like what Sertan is doing out there is absolutely phenomenal defensively. So it's hard to focus on what Kwan Williams is doing when he's playing fairly decently. He's sticky in coverage. He's right well, next to his receivers, but he's just been unspectacular more than anything. Except for a throwaway in his direction. Quarterbacks were eight for eight targeting Patrick Sertan before he left the Texans game. Yeah, there was one miss that was a throwaway from Davis Mills. But, I mean, he turned around and he absolutely brought it against the 49ers and was a true shutdown corner. Yeah. 
All right, so let's see here. Let's grab another one because there was another good question that I wanted to get from Savage Boy Kev jumping in here. The biggest question is, where is Billy Turner and why is he scamming us? I don't know about scamming. Let's let's pump the brakes on that. But uh, Eric, what, if anything, have you heard on Billy Turner and where where is he? Like, what what's the situation here? Obviously, he's coming back from that. He had a knee scope, I believe, early in training camp. Um, still trying to work back from that. What's the situation there? He's still working back from the knee injury. Like it, it's not scamming. He didn't expect to get hurt. Um, they brought him in to start at right tackle and he just suffered a knee injury and it's bad. It's unfortunate. Fortunately, Fleming hasn't been absolutely terrible. He's been somewhat serviceable, struggled a lot against the 49ers, but outside of that, he's been pr- pretty solid. But no, it, he's not scamming Denver, and he's just working his way back from a knee injury. And knee injuries are tricky, especially for offensive linemen. They are. I mean, it. that's the one position really – I mean, obviously outside of like wide receivers and, and um, running backs and stuff, but moving forward specifically. But moving backwards as offensive linemen and having to have that lateral mobility and whatnot, if you have a bum knee, it's, it's hard to do that stuff, guys. Like th- there's a lot of footwork technicalities and stuff like that. If you can't trust that knee to be healthy and sturdy – in pass protection specifically, um, it, it, there's no sense in you being out there. And let's give an honest shout out here to Cam Fleming, who it, it's not spectacular. I'm not going to like pump him up way too much, but I'm very impressed with the way that Cam Fleming has been playing. He held his own against Nick Bosa in that 49ers game, um, had a couple of pressures late in the game where he was not necessarily very great, but as a run blocker, he's blowing holes wide open. He's holding his own in pass protection. I did not think that it was going to be the case there. I figured that Calvin Anderson was going to walk away with that job, but uh, Cam Fleming has been relatively impressive for what we're getting from a player that we didn't expect to be starting at right tackle for the Broncos team. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Like, obviously, you wish Turner can get out there and get on and get better, but you just don't want to rush the knee injury. Um, as somebody who has messed up knees, who's rushed back from them before, you definitely don't want to rush them back if you're a professional football player. Um, and right now, honestly, Denver can afford to give Turner a little bit extra time um, to get healthy. Calvin Anderson, I mean, he's sitting there. Maybe he can, even if Cameron, something happens to Cameron Fleming or he drops off, they can turn to Anderson. But Turner, obviously, again, they just want to get him back. They want to get him healthy. They don't want to completely ruin his knees. And it's it's again it's unfortunate, but fortunately, that right tackle has been decent. Yeah, it, Fleming's been at least decent. Phil jumping in here, massive stars donation on on Facebook, and thank you, Phil, for all of your continued support, man. Your P one listener, the preset one. Anytime the Mile High Huddle goes live, whether it's us, whether it's Nick and Carl, Chad and Zach, does not matter. Phil is always there dropping bombs and showing some support. So, Phil, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate you. Good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott, he says. Uh, is Hobbs and uh, Merrig out for this game? Hashtag go Broncos. Hashtag MHH for life. So, Nate Hobbs is going to play, um, at least everything that I've seen. He was not listed with a game day designation on the Raiders injury report. Um, Trevon Merrig, I believe he is in is supposed Trevor Morrig is expected to play as well. Yeah, so the uh, the two players that were designated as out for this uh, for the Raiders team is uh, Hunter Renfro, that slot wide receiver that causes everybody problems and 
sneakily one of the better slot receivers in the NFL. And then backup uh, tight end Foster Moreau is out with a knee injury. Hunter Renfro had a concussion, so he will be out for this week as well. But uh, yeah, everybody else they uh, on their injury report, they have two guys listed as questionable. Rocky Asin, the outside cornerback, uh, formerly Indianapolis Colt, who I really like coming out of Temple a couple of years ago. And then cornerback Sam, uh, Sam Webb has a hamstring injury. He is also listed as questionable. Everybody else does not have a, a game stat. Uh, for the Broncos here, there's a couple of guys. Let's run through this really fast. A couple of guys um, that uh, there's, what, five players, I believe. Uh, Tyree Cleveland, Jonathan Cooper. We also have uh, Darius Phillips is out. Billy Turner is out. And then Quinn Miners, which is probably the biggest blow to this team, is also out with that hamstring injury. It sounds like potentially he will be good to go uh, on Thursday night football against the Indianapolis Colts. That gives a pretty decent roundup of the injury report. Broncos a little bit banged up coming into this game, but fortunately most of their starters outside of Turner and um, Quinn Miners will be seeing the field. And with Glasgow out there, I, I think the Broncos are pretty confident in that. And like I said, Cam Fleming's not playing bad. So uh, Gary Leeds Palmer jumping in here. Lance, Eric, and Scott go Broncos. Beat the Raiders. Let's ride. Gary, hopefully you're doing well after the uh, events at the game this last weekend. Not going to get into too many details, but uh, thanks for joining us, Gary. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, I hope you had a safe drive home, Gary, and uh, hope everything's going good. It was great to meet you. Yeah. All right. Uh, whoops. Sorry, Scott. Uh, Cody W. jumping in here with a $2 super chat. Uh, what's the stats for Carr fumbling? And Carr does, is like notorious for losing the football in the pocket. Uh, according to Scott, who threw this in the, in the private chat, uh, Derek Carr has fumbled twice, twice, both in the first game, and they recovered both of them. The Raiders recovered both of those fumbles. So, um, Hopefully we can see Randy Gregory getting after Colton Miller. And who's the other tackle that they have over there? I cannot remember his name. Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Um, uh, Jermaine El Illuminar, or however you say his name, or um, Thayer Munford. I Thayer remember. Munford, yeah. Yeah, Thayer Munford was one that I was thinking of. I forgot they had Jermaine Illuminor. Um, but uh, that's that's a big mismatch for this Broncos team. Let's get into this the the uh, mismatches here or the matchups, I guess that we should talk about specifically here. Let's let's piggyback off of this a little bit. Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb going against those two offensive tackles. This is a good opportunity for those guys to get going in this game. Yeah, I mean, as I was talking about, I mean, Thayer Munford, when he's out there, he does well as a run blocker, but his pass protection has been an issue. Um, 
And then Colton Miller, he's been one of the worst tackles in, in the NFL so far this season. Um, he can be solid, so maybe he bounces back a little bit. But this this really is a game for the Broncos pass rushers, um, Chubb, Gregory, Browning, to really have a good game. And even on the inside, DJ Jones is expected to play as he got out of concussion protocol. He's going to be a big piece for the inside just because of how he can open up so much else for the other pass rushers. And then, of course, Draymond Jones, he should be able to have a – extremely good game against the issues that the Raiders have on the interior offensive line with protecting the quarterback. Yeah. And John Simpson was a guy that I was specifically kind of watching there for a little bit, the little bit I did get to watch of that uh, Tennessee Titans game. That guy is not really good in pass protection. The other, the other guard that they have as well, um, not very good in pass protection. And, I was very pleasantly surprised with what the Broncos have been able to get out of DJ Jones, not only in the running game, because the dude's a phenomenal, phenomenal run defender, but as, in terms of rushing the passer, that swim move that DJ Jones possesses is absolutely lethal, guys. He does such a good job crossing the face with the swim, getting in and like creating that interior pressure as a pass rusher. I'm very, very optimistic for this Broncos team. Quite honestly, we could see four, maybe even five sacks on Derek Carr. If you're playing press on the outside and disrupting the timing of the play, there's a good opportunity for this Broncos defensive pass rush to get after the quarterback and uh, like obliterate what seems to be one of the worst offensive lines in football. Like, let's be honest here. Colton Miller has taken a step back this year. Thayer Munford's not necessarily very great, like I already talked about. Um uh, John Simpson, they have rookie Dylan Parham from Memphis starting at center right now. Their starting center, I believe, has a concussion. He might be actually playing this week. Andre James, uh, Andre I James. Is this okay? So, but Dylan Parham has been playing in uh at center for Andre James as he's fighting back through his concussion for the last couple of weeks. So, um, there's a there's definitely some opportunities here for this Broncos pass rush to really get dialed up and. Get after Derek Carr, who, as Scott jumped in here again with uh, with a private uh, private chat, seventy eight fumbles total in Derek Carr's career. I believe that goes back to two thousand and fourteen when he was drafted. So eight years, seventy eight fumbles in his career. That's a lot of fumbles, guys. Like this, is a very big issue here that uh, the Broncos should be able to exploit. And Randy Gregory's been getting his hands on some footballs, guys. He's already forced three forced fumbles, I believe, is what it is. That sounds right. I think because I know he has two strip stacks and I think he got the DK Metcalf fumble. So yeah. that that sound. Yeah, that should be three force fumbles for Andy Gregor this year. Cristiano Roden jumping in here from Brazil, dropping to Real. I believe is how you pronounce that Two two dollars in Real. Uh, good evening, Lance, Eric and Scott beat the Raiders. I'm here for that quadruple F the Raiders. Now, Specific other matchups here that I want to kind of highlight is going to be Nate Hobbs versus Cortland Sutton. Nate Hobbs is the Bronco is the the Raiders' best cornerback, and Cortland Sutton is playing at an absolutely elite level. I believe he's number five in receiving yards this season. The most targeted Broncos uh, wide receiver. I believe he actually leads the entire team in targets and catches. Um, Cortland Sutton going up against Nate Hobbs, man. Eric, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I wonder how much that they're going to actually match up because the Raiders aren't a team that has their corners follow. Typically, Nate Hobbs is pretty strictly off the quarterback's right, the right side of the offense. And then uh, Rocky Sen, when he's healthy, is typically off the left. Um, so we'll definitely see them, but I'm not, I don't, wouldn't expect it a full matchup. And if Cortland Sutton does have a little bit of issues with Nate Hobbs, just move him. Flip sides. If the Raiders want to follow, then. Then they follow. Then they follow. Then, but 
It's not. It's a situation where you don't have to play into the Raiders' hands of forcing Sutton to go up against Hobbs. I'm curious, Eric, if what you think about lining up Cortland Sutton more in the slot a little bit, that big slot, slot fade stuff where you can really work on those um, those 50-50 jump balls, the back shoulder throws that we saw uh, Russ Wilson and, and Cortland Sutton get going there in that 49ers game. I think that that's a really good way to kind of isolate Cortland Sutton and get some favorable matchups against this Raiders secondary. What do you think of that? Well, back shoulder, back shoulder, shoulder throws are one of the least – you know, effective plays in the NFL or at least effective throws in the NFL. So typically you don't, you kind of want to avoid that if you can, but lighting up in the slot, I'd be more for that. If you didn't have Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler as your wide receiver two and three, if you had Tim Patrick and you still had some size on the outside, then I'd be for it rotating in Patrick and Sutton, but obviously Tim Patrick's out for the season. Um, So I'd keep Sutton on the matchup because at least, you know, he should be able to, hold his own out there, whereas Judy and Hamler are a little bit more likely to be completely shut down. Right. So what about Amik Robertson, that slot cornerback that the the, the Raiders like to throw out there, and, and Sam Webb? Is there a way that you can kind of isolate Cortland Sutton against those guys? Um, yeah, I mean, you can by moving them around. You Typically, as I, as I was saying, is Nate Hobbs is typically your boundary right corner, and so all you got to do is move Sutton around. And then that'll be a situation where um, Tyler Cleveland's not expected to play, but maybe you throw Kendall Hinton in and you just kind of have him be a little decoy against Nate Hobbs and you take advantage of the matchup elsewhere. Um, but you don't want to have it to where Judy Hamler and Sutton are all, well, Judy and Hamler effect essentially are kind of shut down for it. So yeah, you can move Sutton around. You can get him on the matchup against Amik Robinson, Sam Webb, or Rocky Sen if he plays. It's just, you don't tip, you don't want to do it a whole lot where KJ Hamler or Jerry Judy are going up against that boundary right corner. No, I'm right there with you. Um, so got a question here. It's actually a really good, um, really good conversation. If I can find it again. Uh, well, first things first, Cody W jumping in here again with another super chat. Thank you, Cody. We appreciate that. Uh, Montreal Washington would be a nice weapon in this game. I don't disagree with this. I think that this is a really good way to get Montreal Washington and KJ Hamler utilizing that speed. Um, one of the things that I really liked about this, the, the Broncos offense a couple of weeks ago against the Houston Texans was what, what they were doing with Washington on the jet sweep. And yeah, that's probably going to trigger some Broncos fans, especially with watching Jerry Judy last year, but they ran a jet sweep motion with Montreal Washington, then ran outside zone back off of that flow, the opposite direction against the Houston Texans. And they were gashing the Texans there for a while. There's like five or six different plays where they've ran that jet motion with Washington. I think that you can get that and kind of utilize that with Washington and KJ Hamler this year. And then why not just hand it off to him one time? Like, I think that there's a way that you can incorporate Montreal Washington and, and KJ Hamler, manufacture some touches for them, utilize that speed against this defense and really kind of get this ball rolling offensively. Eric, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm, not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. 
your body. And the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner kind of zoned out there i was reading the chat and reading some comments on it um <laughs> you're good, you're good. Just, uh, just, uh, specifically the the jet sweep stuff where would where did that go against the 49ers out the door thankfully <laughs> jet sweeps things like that you know no, how no. you know how i am about that i hate those types of plays i don't want to see them i don't mind trickery jet sweeps i just hate like well I'm not specifically talking like make that a primary focus of your offense, but I was what I was talking about. Yeah, I don't care how many times you run it. I don't want to see it. I think it's stupid. Well, no, I I hate that. God, you're you're ridiculous sometimes. You don't pay attention. I I made a good point. Screens and I hate back shoulder fades. You know all the fun plays. I hate because they're typically so ineffective that you're. It's basically you may as well just throw an incomplete pass with most of that. So it's yeah, I don't like to see it. But Anthony Edwards comes in with another nine dollar ninety nine sent donation saying where is the Raiders bigness biggest weakness on D should this be a Williams or Judy breakout thanks for the time you put in in evaluating the game you guys are awesome well thank you I appreciate that um my head doesn't need any more inflation but it'll take it before it eventually pops as for the Raiders biggest weakness on D the middle yes. their run their run defense like I would work to exploit that I think this would be a really good game hopefully Melvin Gordon can hold on to the ball because you really want to hammer away on the inside with Williams and Gordon to help keep Williams rested, and you don't want to risk injury with with Williams. And I'd even throw Mike Boone out there a couple times getting some run up the middle because that is where they're weak. Denzel Perriman is their best linebacker. Um, he doesn't see, see the field a whole lot. They like to throw in um, Divine Diablo there, and he's just not that great against the run, consistently plugging the wrong lanes. Um, definitely attack the middle with the run game. Where's their biggest weakness on defense? Um, defense. They're they're weak all the way around. But specifically, like Eric said, yes, the, the run defense up the middle of the field is is definitely um, one of the biggest weaknesses. I think their secondary is also just very bad. Nate Hobbs is a quality player, but after trading Trayvon Mullen, Trayvon Merrick is a, a quality cover one or cover one cover three single high center fielder. But don't ask him to tackle because he doesn't do a great job of that either. Um, so running the football is going to be a big way to exploit this Raiders defense. Eric, I'm right there with you on that one. Um, we've got another super chat coming in here from, I believe that's Cristiano again. Uh, yes. Uh, the defocus needs to be to exploit the self, the self-blown Raiders offensive line and rattle car on offense, run up the gut, the first and, uh, and then exploit the secondary with the deep shots. I'm right there with you. I want to go back to the, the, the jet sweep stuff really fast. Because I'm not saying to turn around and hand it off to Jeff Sweep all the time. However, I do want to I do want to see that motion again because they were effective doing that that misdirection motion with Jet with Montreal Washington running the Jet Sweep motion. Then they ran outside zone off the backside of that against Houston Texans. 
That's a big thing to me in this game. If you can kick out Chandler Jones, run up underneath the inside of him, get back to that second level, open up some holes. Javante and Melvin are going to eat, man. They're really going to eat. There's the trickeration of that. And then every now and again, you turn around and hand it off maybe one, two times on that jet sweep to KJ or maybe run that reverse action, something like that. I think you can get some big time, uh, big time open plays with this run defense. That's where I was going with that area. But let's see here. We had another couple. There was a really good question. It was specifically to the defense. And I believe it was from Clayton Huron. And there it is right here. He said, what do you guys think of more blitzing, more man-to-man and ground and pound, baby? So defensively, Eric, something that I really like with Ajiro Evero is he is being a lot more aggressive with the front seven and manufacturing some pressures with really qual- like high-quality twists and stunts. They're bringing some linebackers up to the A-gaps. Uh, we've, we're seeing some fire cornerback blitzes as well. Like They're doing a lot to manufacture. I don't know that you necessarily want to do that against some of these AFC West quarterbacks. Derek Carr might be the one where you could actually do that. Press man, yes, I'm I'm here for that. But blitzing Derek Carr, he's just going to find the replacement player. If you're playing off coverage, he's going to find that replacement player from where that blitzer came, and the quick passing game is going to eat you alive. Are, are you there? Yeah, um, the one thing I like with Evero is that not only are the Broncos when they are in one-on-one situations – they're winning those matchups when they only rush four, they only rush five. They're winning those, they're winning those reps, which is doing such a great job at applying pressure. But he's not afraid to bring the extra heat when needed. And fortunately, this year, I know a lot of people wanted more blitzes last year, but the secondary is holding up enough to where you can afford to do that. You can pull that extra guy out of coverage to send after the quarterback, which you couldn't do last year. And Evro is blitzing, he's third most blitz percentage, third highest blitz percentage in the NFL at just under just over 40%. So it's great to see, but it's a situation of against the Houston Texans, you wanted to blitz. You wanted to rattle Davis Mills. Yep. Against the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, you wanted to blitz. You wanted to get after him. Against Derek Carr, I want I don't I think we'll see a little bit less blitzing, dropping more into coverage because he isn't a guy that you really want to blitz because he does such a good job of finding the open receiver, that open spot, hitting it and moving the ball. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And you don't need to blitz against this offensive line. Like your pass rush is top three, I believe, in pressures. Um, They've got nine sacks through the first three games, which is the second highest total in franchise history through the first three games. Um, Like there's an opportunity here. You're winning up front already one-on-one. You don't need to bring that extra pressure. You can drop as many as you want to back into coverage and let Randy Gregory, let Bradley Chubb, let Draymond and DJ Jones go up there and wreck things up front because this Raiders offensive, we've already talked about it. this Raiders offensive line. is just not good. Uh, Cody W jumping in here. Another super chat. Thanks, Cody. We appreciate that, man. Uh, the Seahawks game, they moved the ball fine. We need some of that. I'm right there with you. Uh, the, the 49ers game is the one game where you can really point to the offensive inefficiencies, specifically because they had, what, nine, I believe, three and outs in that game, 10 total punts. Not great. When they needed to move the ball, when they actually got some stuff going, they were able to do so. They obviously drove down for that game-winning touchdown. We need to see some more consistency from this offense, plain and simple. Whether it's utilizing the running game effectively, blowing up some uh, some running lanes, Russell Wilson utilizing his legs a little bit more, being a little bit more accurate, 
making some better decisions or some questionable decision making you're seeing with him, um, making some bad reads, some bad throws. Uh, there was one specifically uh, where he dirt balled. Uh, it was a, it would have been a first down. It was third and five, I believe. Uh, Albert Okwebenam ran a quick stick route against the 49ers and Russell Wilson hit him in the foot. Like, like that's a throw that he should make um, the sprint out option that they ran with Jerry Judy on third down late in the game against the 49ers where Russell Wilson missed him by like two yards behind him. Like th- those are some critical issues that need to be just kind of tightened up and everything. The offense moves the ball relatively well, the 49ers game, notwithstanding coming into that game, they were like number one or number two in yards per drive. Like they were like, moving the ball 57 yards per drive. You should be able to score some more points with that execution in the red zone, executing these longer drives and putting everything together, just tightening everything up is definitely something that is needed. And I think that this is the game to get it done. Well, their first touchdown in the red zone came against the 49ers yep. to seal the game. Yep. Like they were 0-6 entering the game in the in the red zone. So moving the ball between the 20s has been hit or miss. Um, against the Texans, we started to, we saw it falter a little bit. They did fine sometimes. Mm-hmm. They faltered a lot. 49ers, there was a lot of faltering until you know they really needed it. So you got to get more consistent there. And then when you get into the red zone, you got to punch it in. So it's just this whole thing of they haven't yet been able to chain everything together because against the Seahawks, they moved the ball fine. They just couldn't punch it in. Yep. So it's it's a step. So hopefully they take that next step because this is a game where you can't afford to leave points out there and points uh, and uh, obviously no game you can leave points off it, but against the Raiders, especially going in there with a team. So that can score quickly. Cause that is one thing that the Raiders should get credit. They have enough weapons. They can score quickly. Yes, they can. Um, so you got to You got to take advantage of it. And a lot of it does fall on Wilson. I know for the 49ers game, there was some issues with the offensive line. There's no denying that when they did buy him time though, Russell Wilson wasn't able to make the throws that he needed to go needed to make the ones that you highlighted. There was a lot of where he's sitting there he has his legs, his feet pointing one way and he's throwing another, his mechanics were just all over the place, which was also an issue to start the Houston Texans game. So he's just got to get that figured out and get this panic that he has kind of settled down a little bit and not jump before he needs to. I mean, obviously it's finding that balance. You don't want to be too late with jumping when pressure's coming, but you don't want to be too early either. So it's a lot on Wilson, and he's a veteran quarterback. He should be able to play better than he is, even though there are obvious signs of a decline. Um, you you got to get more out of him because right now the receivers, they're getting open. They're averaging a good amount. I think they're in the top 10 for average yards of separation per play. Mm-hmm. So they're doing a good job of getting open. It's just that Russell Wilson's not consistently able to hit them. He holds the ball a little bit too long. One of the sacks that he took against the 49ers, that was the situation. He held the ball too long. Got to get the ball quicker. Got to get through your reads a little bit quicker. Just got to speed up the whole process. And that's one thing that helps out the offensive line as well when they do struggle. It's getting the ball out quicker instead of holding on too long. Something else that I want to see from this offense, and going back and watching the games, I I think I've seen it like twice total in, in the first three games, which to me, it just it doesn't make sense why it's not more of a part of your offense. And maybe this has to do with a little bit of the struggles of the running game up front. Where's the boot action? Like, why are we not seeing the 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 play action fake bootleg stuff getting Russell outside of the pocket, moving the pocket around a lot more? Like schematically, to me, that doesn't necessarily make sense because Russell Wilson, again, we're early in this season. We got to see some more stuff, and he's not necessarily playing at the best level. He's shown his legs are not the bigger threat that they used to be, and he did miss that throw on the run to Jerry Judy in the 49ers game, but. 
to me, like that, that's a missing element that you got to add to this, to this team right now. I think that that's going to help out with Russell Wilson a little bit to get him outside, get him some easier throws, half to cut the field in half, let him read, you know, high to low and stuff like that, rather than scan the entire field, go from one side to the other and then back the, the like the more traditional drop back passing we're seeing with this Broncos offense. Why are they not doing that? Is it just because they don't necessarily trust Russell Wilson or they're just asking, not asking him to do it? beats me i'm not sure why they're not they did well doing that against seattle haven't really seen it since yeah. every now and then and when they have done it it's been pretty successful yeah and so they got to keep doing that and honestly like part of me thinks that maybe russell wilson doesn't want to do it but doesn't make a whole lot of sense so i'm not exactly sure what it is but bootlegs cutting the field in half just reading your making your high low reads doing that helps out the offense it helps out mm -hmm. wilson and it could help speed up his clock a little bit too of yeah. just making the reads a little bit faster. Obviously, you can't do a whole game that way, but you can do it a lot more than they are. Because I think against the 49ers, it was like, I can count the times on one hand, I think, that they used a, a bootleg a rollout. Yep. They, they moved that pocket for him. And same thing against the Texans. They didn't do it all that often. So you got to you gotta step that up a little bit. Helps ease up the offensive line. The issue with doing that against the Raiders, however is you have Max Crosby, who typically rushes off the right tackle, and he does such a good job reading bootlegs. And against Cameron Fleming, it would be a little bit riskier to do it. So it would be a situation where you have to keep basically a tight end there to chip at the very least to help give him a little bit extra time to get around the corner. Yeah, and Max Crosby is absolutely phenomenal at sniffing stuff like that out. Like, he does a really good job sniffing out reverses, jet sweeps. He does a really good job collapsing um, and, and, like, knifing through the offensive line and stuff like that. So I, I, I'll i concede the point to you on that one. I just I, – I really do feel like that's something that this team needs to try well, to get back to a little bit. They can they can do it. It's just, just have to find an answer for Max Crosby towards right, that yeah. one. Well, and, and, you're, and you're absolutely right Like with that because – and honestly, I think that the answer on that one's Eric Saubert because Albert Okawebenam is not a blocker. When he's on the field – there's Eric Saubert. Well, Eric Saubert's a better blocker than Albert Okawebenam is. I, I firmly believe Not that. this year. Ooh, eh, okay. I'll, Eric Saubert's been bad. Eric Tomlinson's been bad. Every tight end has been bad blocking this year. They need Greg Dulcich so bad. And I, Greg I know Dulcich's not a great blocker. He's not a great blocker either, but it's at least another option. Like, let's see what the rookie can do. And, and he's a better receiver than all three of those guys combined. Like, they need a guy that can actually move around a little bit, and Dulcich would be really good there. You're... But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here with your point, though. Let me let me finish this. They, they need a guy that's a little bit better of a blocker to chip out and then the, that has the athleticism to turn around and run horizontally and then make a cut. Albert Okawebenam's not that guy. I think Saubert actually does have the ability to do that, where he can get out into the flat and then turn and get upfield and show that physicality, drop that shoulder down, and drive through somebody to break. Break a tackle and potentially get you a first down. That's why I want Saubert on the field. It's not that he's like the best blocker in the world, but he can chip Max Crosby, get out there and get into the flat, make a catch and turn up and go put his head into someone's chest. Albert Okwebenov is not going to be that guy. Like he's a he's oh, slippery, but he's not going to be physical in that aspect at all. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and defend Albert Okwebenov. He's been absolute trash when it comes to as a blocker, and he yeah. hasn't really shown a whole lot as a receiver either. Despite constantly being hyped up that he showed so much improvement, it's just Eric Sobert hasn't been that much better, and Eric Tomlinson hasn't been that much better either. Eric Tomlinson has really struggled, and this was a guy I was hyping up all off season, yeah, because of what he can do as a blocker. He's just not doing it, and 
when he has been successful, most of the time as a blocker, it's been coming as a fullback, and that's where we have Andrew Beck, who had a who had played ten snaps against Seattle, did quite well in them, and then just completely fell off a cliff over the last two games, whiffing blocks, like just consistently bad play mistakes on special teams. It's a situation where I'm not expecting a whole lot of Greg Dulcich when he comes back, simply because rookie tight ends having a big impact right away is just so uncommon. Yeah. Maybe he does. Maybe he proves me wrong. But Denver has to figure something out with this tight end position because tight ends for this offense that they're running do have some importance, especially as blockers, and they don't have that. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Noy is coming in here, and Eric, I'm going to trigger you again, saying drop the screen over Crosby. And Jeff, I – Watch him bat it down. Yeah, it, I was going to say, with with all due respect, Jeff, I, I appreciate the creativity here. And the, the Broncos did a good job over Uchenna Nwosu and uh, – Darrell Taylor, I believe is who it was, Boye Mafe in the uh, the Seattle game of running that backside screen and getting Javante Williams involved in that. Max Crosby's not those guys. Like Max Crosby is a top probably 10 edge defender in the NFL right now, and I'm not being hyperbolic here at all. Max Crosby's phenomenal. And Ted. his head-up plays are amazing, and he will go out there. He'll sniff that screen out, and he'll make the play. Like I, I don't want anything to do with Max Crosby in this game, not at all. Ted Wynn had an article over the offseason that talked about Max Crosby and a lot of what he does so well. It was like it was a major hype piece for it. And I can't remember the actual percentage what it was, but there's been like it is less than 5% of success when going at Crosby with a screen just because how well he reads it out. Mm-hmm. Like he just reads it, he follows it and you end up having to drop the ball into the or dirt the ball or throw it away or throw, try to hit somebody else. Like he does a amazing job of reading out screens that if you're doing a screen, that's not who I'm targeting. I target Chandler Jones on the other side, but I hate screens. I'm with you on that because Chandler Jones has a really bad knack of getting vertically too fast. Like he doesn't do a good job with his play recognition up front. Like he wants to make those plays in the backfield. You can get him being hyperly aggressive and then flip around and dump the screen behind him and, and get out into some space. That would be the direction. I'm 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 a hundred percent with you on that, Eric. So Crosby, like that dude, I not to hype up a, a player on the Raiders, like Max Crosby's a dude. Like that guy is phenomenal in everything that he does, rushing the passer, run defense, sniffing out screens, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, just understanding the game of football. He's a, an amazing football player. And that's the one. We were talking earlier, and I don't know that you can necessarily argue this, Eric. You, I mean, go ahead if you and try if you want to. Max Crosby's the best Raiders player. There's, I, I don't think there's any question. Over Derek Carr, over Devontae Adams, Max Crosby is the guy to watch out for in this game. Uh, Max Crosby is one of the best edge defenders in the NFL. So, yeah, yes. I'd say, easily say he's the best player on that team. And it is so frustrating because during the 2019 NFL draft, a little bit before he went, dra- he got drafted. I was screaming for Denver to take him. He was one of my dudes. Eastern Michigan, right? Or West? Um, it was one of the directional Michigan schools. I can't remember if it was Eastern Michigan or Western Michigan. Um, definitely under hyped player coming out. The fourth round pick, I believe, from the Raiders. Absolute Eastern. steal of a fine for uh, for Mike Mayock. And that was when I was like, hey, by the way, Mike Mayock's doing a pretty good job of rebuilding the Raiders. Uh, yeah. That we're, we're going to burn that take in absolute gasoline. Uh, Cristiano jumping in again down there in Brazil. Thank you, Cristiano. We appreciate it, man. Uh, I feel better knowing that GJ Jones will play and uh, Dalton Reisner is probable 
even with Coach Glasgow Fleming uh, using the two tight end sets, I see a great advantage in the trenches. I, I'm with you on DJ Jones going through the, the concussion protocol, and there's another conversation we can dive into at some other time, probably not now. Um, the concussion protocol, I think, needs to have reform. But seeing DJ Jones be able to come back through that and, and play against this Raiders team, it's big. It's it's definitely big. Josh Jacobs is not the best back in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination, but he's very effective. They do a really good job of getting him uh, with that power game and trying to get him pushing his head forward. DJ Jones is going to blow that up this game. I, I think DJ Jones is going to have an absolutely massive game this week against the Raiders because that interior offensive line is booty, booty, booty. booty. Um. Yeah, this should be a game where Lloyd Cushberry at least looks serviceable as a center because he has easily been the worst offensive lineman mm-hmm. in, uh, on the Broncos. And it was funny, when I was on the plane, I was searching through Twitter, and a couple of the big um, offensive line guys on Twitter, I think Brandon Thorne was involved in it, um, Duke, you know, the big guys were sitting there and had the threat, and they were trying to be polite about Lloyd Cushberry, but it was very obvious that they absolutely think that he stinks. And as for using two tight end sets, I will say that is one thing I've liked, that Denver has done a good mixture of um, packages, of personnel packages on offense, including those two tight end sets, which they've been pretty effective running the ball out of. Just got to get a little bit more effective passing the ball out of it. Yeah. Jonathan Hankins is really the one guy you got to watch out for because he is a fairly decent run uh, run stuffing interior defensive lineman. Andrew Billings, I think you can move him around. Bilal Nichols does a pretty good job defending the run as well. But like there, there's an opportunity here for the interior offensive line to get going. I I want to see them really start to stretch yeah. this thing out a little bit more and, and get, some, get some stuff moving sideline to sideline because the cutback lanes, if you can cut back away from Max Crosby and get Chandler Jones over pursuing, there's – a lot of ways that you can exploit this defense and that interior is just bad. So, and I want to grab this comment from Garth Knight here. So I was pretty sure number three rolled left and Hinton, Hinton for a big gain on the touchdown drive. He did. It's just that Russell Wilson cannot roll left as effectively as he used to. That used to be his big thing. I think if everybody can remember pressure would come, he'd do that little spin out and take out off the left side. And he would absolutely tear up a defense doing that. Ever since the start of the 2019 season, his efficiency has completely dropped, and he actually has a negative EPA when rolling out to his left. Yes, he can still have some big plays happen. It's just not nearly as consistently as it was, and it's a big reason why people are pointing to his decline. I mean, it's obvious. He just isn't quite quick at it. The timing of it, of his spin move getting out there, it has slowed down a little bit. Um, Keep It Real comes in and says, Biggie, that's only their opinion. Glasgow's been far been far the worst on the offensive line that is simply not true not that glasgow has been great Lloyd cushionberry has and trust me like i'm not even going to tout this as my opinion of having watched cushionberry all three games over and over and over again consistently falter these are the big guys who work with nfl offensive linemen who consistently get praised by nfl offensive linemen who duke many uh mary many weather is many is one of the the offensive line gurus because of how well he coaches technique and everything like that in the NFL. These are the guys saying Lloyd Cushenberry sucks. You can shrug it off as their opinion only if you want, but man, keep it real. I mean, are you just Lloyd Cushenberry in chat? Because that's what it's on. <laughs> but I mean, these guys, they 100% know what they are talking about when it comes to offensive linemen. And when they are bagging on Lloyd Cushenberry, that is 
it is very noticeable. So when Duke Manyweather speaks on offensive line play, when Jeff Schwartz speaks on offensive line play, when Brian Baldinger speaks on offensive line play, those are guys you listen to. They played the positions. Duke Manyweather is one of the most like he's Quincy Avery or Jordan Palmer. Like those are the like most prized and um, like sought after quarterback coaches, uh, Quincy Avery and Jordan Palmer, respectively. Duke Manyweather is that guy. Like he he or, like he organizes and coordinates the offensive line academy. It's a big, huge academy. There's thousands of offensive linemen that go to his camp every single year, all the way from professionals down to high school level players. It's huge. Like when those guys speak, you listen. You you definitely listen to that. And Cushenberry and, has been bad, bad, bad. And bad, keep bad. it. And I'm not an offensive lineman, by the way. And keep it real. Last thing on this, uh, show the tape on all the plays. If we could get away with showing tape on our podcast, I definitely would. I pull it yeah, up right would... now and I tell you the play where Lloyd Cushenberry got so blown up that he almost took out Garrett Bowles' knees and Garrett Bowles wasn't happy about it. Or the one where Javon Kinla absolutely jacked him back into the lap of the quarterback and leading to a broken play because of it. Or all the other countless times of Melvin Gordon just getting slammed or Javante Williams getting slammed in the backfield because Lloyd Cushenberry was back there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I think I'm going to have to cut it out here, guys. Um, I, I'm sure some people saw that earlier. Um, I'm, I'm having some vertigo issues over the last about 24 hours, and I'm starting to get really dizzy. Um, so I'm going to end up having to, to cut us short here. So I, I do apologize for that. It's been a really fun conversation, guys. Um, Maybe next week I'll be feeling a little bit better, but please guys make sure you guys are following us on uh, Twitter at Sanderson MHH for Eric at Eric trickle um, for Scott at scout Kennedy. Um, and also guys at mile high huddles. It's your breaking news and stuff like that regarding your Denver Broncos. Um, I, I, I do really apologize guys, Eric, anything else you want to get off your chest really fast? No, I hope you feel better. Um, you know, just go take care of yourself, get some rest. And uh, yeah, get to feeling good. All right, guys. I, I appreciate everybody for um, the kind words and stuff like that. Um, you all stay safe and take care. Have a great weekend. Uh, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With queen mattresses starting at $349.99. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details.